Good morning, church. Welcome. We are gathered in this place as we've been, we have been celebrating the coming of Christ, and Christ has indeed come. And Christ is here in our midst because his people are here. And so we've gathered as the body of Christ to worship his name. Would you stand to your feet? And we'll begin our service as we frequently do, reading scripture. We're going to do it a little differently today. Um, there'll be kind of a responsorial sense of it. So I'll read the leader part, and you guys can read the congregation part. This is going to come from Revelation. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone, a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders, dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were around the throne, one on each side. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had the face of a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside, day and night. They never stop saying, Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things
gathered here today to worship. This is Hebron Baptist. You've made it here. Congratulations. <laughs> Your alarm went off, hopefully. <laughs> you made it here uh, on this sort of end of vacation time. Hopefully it's been a restful one for you. Well, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Hebron. Um, and I just, for you, if you're a guest with us, we're just delighted to have you here. If you're uh, new to us, uh, I would encourage you, uh, if you want more information about anything we talk about in the announcements or, or at any point during the service, we'll have somebody out at the Next Steps desk, which is just right out the door to the left. That is central location for all information. So um, the person who will be behind there knows everything there is to know about everything. Sorry, just kidding. They don't really. But they know everything they need to know to answer your questions. So uh, I want to encourage you uh, to, 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 to stop by the Next Steps decks on your way out, especially if this is your first Sunday. Um, we have uh, a QR code in front of you if this is your first time with us uh, uh, or if you just regularly attend but haven't joined us yet. We'd love to have you fill out a Connect card. You can do that electronically by scanning the QR code in front of you and the pew. Uh, or if you'd like to do a paper copy, we've got some of those in the next steps. And if you have, if it's your first Sunday, uh, we would love to have you stop by with that Connect card or just the, the thing that says you completed it, and we've got a free gift for you this morning if, you, if you're a guest with us. So thank you for being with us. Uh, well, we've gathered together to, to worship through singing. We've gathered to, to, um, to hear from God's Word, and we've gathered to pray. And so we, we take a significant time in our service because we believe that God hears us, and we know that there are so many things that we don't have because we don't ask for them. So here in the next few minutes, we're going to be spending some time praying together. Uh, we'll pray asking God to help us to worship together, to be God's people as we ought to be. We'll pray for, for other countries, other churches, other works that God is doing in the world. And then, um, we'll, con and then we'll close by confessing our sins and thanking God for what he has done for us in Christ. So let's pray together. Lord, um, you are worthy. You are holy. We have seen from your word, just at the beginning of our time together, a taste of what it is like to be in your presence, where all of the heavenly beings bow down and worship, where strange creatures bow down and worship, where all authorities bow down and worship. That is a reality in your presence even now, and yet it is a reality that we will know in not just in our hearts and on paper, but with our eyes and with our ears. So, Lord, be glorified in us, and even so, as your kingdom comes, we pray that you be glorified in our midst. Lord, we lift up the world as it is. Your kingdom is not quite fully here yet, and so we see pain and war and suffering in the world Lord, we lift up um, the conflict both, uh, even, even as easily forgotten as it is, uh, by not being in the news, but Lord, we lift up the conflict in Ukraine as well as that going on in Israel. Lord, we pray that you would bring an end to war. We look forward to the day when we will beat our swords into plowshares, when, um, when the child will be able to, the baby, the infant will be able to play with snakes because there's nothing to fear because everything sad has come untrue. And we, we pray that you bring an end to both of these wars. Lord, we pray that we would be faithful to continue to pray, that we would help when we need to help, that we would make wise decisions, even as we are not directly involved in either of these conflicts, that we as a country would make wise decisions as we consider how we might become involved in these conflicts if we need to. Lord, we pray, um, we pray for an end of bloodshed. We pray for peace. We pray for love and grace 
um, for everyone involved. Lord, we lift up to you our um, stated um, value of joyful hospitality. Lord, we pray that as we are coming back from being maybe gone and maybe, maybe we're exhausted, Lord, from, from maybe hosting or be traveling, Lord, we pray that you would still help us in the end of our season of rest and the beginning of our season of, of work again. We pray that you would help us to remain a hospitable people. Help us to open our homes in love and open our hearts in love to the outsider. Help us to be kind as we bring in new people come in in our midst even now. Help us to be genuinely kind and welcoming to them. And Lord, help us to do so as we have seen you love and be kind and open your heart and your arms to us even while we were sinners dying for us. And that reminds us, Lord, that we have not always been hospitable. We have not always been kind to the neighbor. We have often been tired or lazy or mean-spirited or unkind or just negligent. We ask that you forgive us, Lord, where we have failed to be a hospitable people. We lift up um, our friend and brother, Carl Porter, um, in this season, Lord, as he's just, they, they, his church, as Grace Church Rotten has just finished two carol services with over 40 people at each one, Lord, we pray that you continue to bless their efforts. Multiply them, Father. Cause a church to form a healthy and full and vibrant church in Rotten. Lord, not that it would end there, because that, that would be a gracious and wonderful thing, but Lord, that many churches would be planted from Grace Church and Rotten, and Marlborough, and in um, Swindon, and, 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 and in all these other places around, Lord, that there would be churches planted from the faithfulness um, that Carl and his um, team uh, have, 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 have done um, in their midst. Lord, be with us this morning as we worship, be glorified as we sing, and as we pray, and as we give, and as we hear from your word. And uh, Lord, thank you for Jesus, and for his death, and resurrection, and in whose name we gather. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I mean, we're gonna, I'm going to read another scripture just to encourage us together. Uh, this, is, this comes from Leviticus, I believe. It says, This is to be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you are to practice self-denial and do no work, both the native and the alien who resides among you. Atonement will be made for you on this day to cleanse you, and you will be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of complete rest for you, and you must practice self-denial. It is a permanent statute. The priest who is anointed and ordained to serve as high priest in place of his father will make atonement. He will put on the linen garments, the holy garments, and make atonement for the most holy place. He will make atonement for the tent of meeting and the altar, and will make atonement for the priests and all the people of the assembly. This is to be a permanent statute for you to make atonement for the Israelites once a year because of all their sins. And all this was done as the Lord commanded Moses. And that comes from Leviticus 16. The good news for us in Christ is that that atonement has been made. We don't have to gather once a year and bring our sacrifices. Our sacrifice has been brought in Christ. And we can rejoice. And let's stand and rejoice together.
to you right here at the beginning. I'm, I promise I will get you out of here before the new year starts, okay? Uh, uh, this morning we are going to be uh, looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. 
So while you're uh, getting there on your uh, personal Bible or your device or whatever it is, uh, also if you want to use the Pew Bible in front of you there, it is on page 1025, uh, so you can find your way there. And as, uh, as we're thinking about the new year, uh, you know, one of the things that we always associate with New Year, at least I do, is, quote, New Year's resolutions. And uh, I don't know how many of you make New Year's resolutions. I personally don't, uh, because when I break them, then I would feel bad, and so I just don't make them at all. Uh, some of you may make New Year's resolutions, and uh, that's fine. Uh, Sometimes we make resolutions at other times of the year. Of course, we don't call them New Year's resolutions. We might refer to it as something like uh, turning over a new leaf or reinventing ourselves, something like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's a pretty common thing. People make, uh, make resolutions. Oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and so forth. Uh, you know, one something that's really interesting is the amount of useless information you can find on the internet. Uh, and if you happen to uh, do a search on the internet for New Year's resolutions, you'll find all kinds of things there. Uh, I confess I did. <laughs> I, I searched for, uh, on the internet for uh, New Year's resolutions and I found uh, sites like uh, the 10 most common New Year's resolutions and the 12 most commonly broken New Year's resolutions and so forth. And uh, I'd say it's kind of useless information because quite frankly, I could have come up with those lists out of my own, uh, own knowledge without having to go to the internet and uh, go to some research uh, group that uh, did some kind of research and so forth. What kinds of things are you going to find there? Well, uh, no surprise, uh, some, of, uh, some of the resolutions that you'll find on a list like that is, uh, well, I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to save money. Uh, I'm going to spend more time with my family this year. Uh, and probably the big ones, I'm going to lose weight and get fit. Uh, or I'm going to start eating more healthy, uh, more healthy diet. Those are uh, probably the, you know, kind of the, the most common ones and probably right at the top of the list. Well, uh, you know, I, I sometimes wonder if it's just a coincidence that New Year's and New Year's resolutions come right after Thanksgiving and Christmas when we kind of overindulge and maybe have put on a few pounds, and so now all of a sudden in the new year uh, we decide, oh, I gotta, I gotta quit eating like uh, like it's the holidays. I've gotta, I've got to, uh, uh, you know, start getting fit again, or maybe for the first time, maybe I never was fit. Uh, and you know, you see it on TV too. How many of you seen the ads for gym memberships? or exercise equipment, right? Uh, you know, this is the time of year when, when those kinds of businesses do really well. Uh, forget Black Friday. <laughs> it's after, the, after the, all of the overeating and so forth that they're, they're uh, really pushing hard to get you to, to spend your money on those things. Uh, 
And uh, Christians uh, sometimes, too, make resolutions. And not that any of this is really bad, but the problem is, that for the most part, it's, it's kind of superficial, number one. And uh, these things usually don't last. Now, some people might, uh, might actually keep their resolutions, but I think the majority of people, you know, eh, middle of February, into February, getting into March, those things kind of disappear, and we kind of forget about those things. You know, maybe, uh, maybe your resolution is, uh, you know, I need to be more faithful in my daily devotions, or maybe even start daily devotions. Or I, I, I'm, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. You know, the problem with those kinds of resolutions is they're fine resolutions, but I think the goal is wrong. For instance, like with, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Well, now all of a sudden you've set a goal where by, yeah, maybe you're reading the Bible every day and maybe you're reaching that, quote, daily goal of, uh, you know, so many chapters or whatever per day, but the problem is that becomes the goal rather than actually getting something out of what you're reading. So maybe a better resolution than, than I'm going to read through my Bible this year uh, is I'm going to learn more about God by reading his word this year. And I'm going to do that daily. And I'm going to get into his word and I'm going to read, you know, one, two, uh, maybe one or two verses is enough, maybe a chapter is enough. Uh, I may not get through the Bible this year, but I'm going to get something out of God's Word each and every day. And maybe that's a better goal than just saying I'm going to read the, through the Bible in a year's time. Well, anyway, enough of that. Let's, uh, let's go to our scripture. If you're there with me, uh, we'll begin reading uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message that uh, it conveys to us. And Father, this morning we pray that, uh, first of all, that you would empower me. Father, anoint me with, with your word and with the words that you would have for your people here today. And Father, we pray that uh, you would, uh, would teach us this morning what you would have us to know about this passage. Father, it is your word to your people. And Father, we pray that it would teach and instruct us here this morning. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. All right. Uh, again, as I mentioned, uh, 
you know, we, we tend sometimes, uh, some of us, to make New Year's resolutions, and, and uh, we make those resolutions because we want to be better people. We want to be a better person. Well, you know, the problem is, is we can't really change ourselves as well as God can change us. God is much better at it than we are. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you, know, you might make some resolutions, but after a few weeks, those things kind of go by the wayside, and we kind of forget those things, and we're right back to the old habits. And so uh, what we really need is we need for, for God to make that change. And so uh, what we're going to talk about to this morning is uh, God's extreme makeover. God's extreme makeover. Uh, and God can make us over. Uh, take a look there uh, our, our, in verse 17. Uh, in verse 17 we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Uh, this, is, this is God's work in the believer. Um, Being in Christ, what does that mean? What, what, is, uh, what is being referred to here as being in Christ? Well, uh, being in Christ means Christ has been taken as your Savior. Uh, you have placed yourself in his care, maybe would be one way of saying it. Uh, you're trusting him alone to be your savior and also to change your character in your life. Okay? Uh, those in Christ are a new creation. And what is this new creation? Um, after a person accepts Christ as savior, they place themselves in Christ, or Christ has placed them within himself, as the verse here would indicate. Uh, the person still looks the same. Their hair color, eye color didn't change. Their stature is uh, the same. Uh, so they look the same. Uh, maybe, uh, well, they sound the same. For instance, when I was saved, my voice didn't change any. Uh, I still still sound like me. So what is this, what is this new creation uh, that this verse is talking about? Well, uh, in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, uh, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So I think the change is really internal, primarily. Uh, it's, it's something that happens within you. Uh, so what, what kind of change do we see in a person if we don't see a physical change, uh, something uh, that that can be perceived through the physical. Well, uh, first of all, we uh, might have, we should have a new view of Christ. We should have a new view of Christ. 
Um, we don't worship a babe in the manger or a man on a cross, uh, which is probably when we, we speak about Jesus, uh, the world, the unsaved world, uh, probably that's a lot of things they think about. Uh, you know, we think about Christmas. You know, uh, we, we, we think about, you know, the babe in a manger and, and, and the, the nativity story and so forth. Uh, or we get to Easter and we think about Christ on the cross. Well, you know, that's, that's not how, we, as a Christian, a new creature in Christ, uh, that's not what we think of. We think of the risen Lord, uh, the one who, uh, yes, he came as a babe. Yes, he lived for 33 years upon the earth as a man. Uh, yes, he died on a cross for our sins. But he's a risen Lord. He's a Lord who, who now resides in heaven and intercedes for the believer there in heaven. And uh, uh, so that's who we, that's who we worship. Uh, we have a new view of Christ. Uh, we have a new view of, of people around us. Uh, we see people around us as sinners who Christ died for. Uh, you know, uh, the world looks at, uh, looks at people and uh, they like to put people in categories, don't they? Uh, whether it's a racial category or maybe an ethnic category of some kind, uh, the country that you're from and so forth, those, those kinds of, of uh, categories that people uh, are placed in by other people. But uh, that's not how a saved person, a person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, should be viewing other people. Uh, other people are uh, either brothers and sisters in Christ or they are uh, lost folks that Christ died for. And uh, that's, that should be our new view of others. Uh, we, we have new goals, for instance. Um, you know, the, the world seeks fame, money and those kinds of things and those certainly should be secondary to the Christian uh, what should our goal be our goal should be to live for Christ to live a life that is honoring and glorifying to him and uh, what that may mean for each individual uh, each particular individual may vary uh, after all God doesn't give us all the same same job the same task uh, to do in life but uh, uh, our goals should be uh, Christ-centered. Uh, they should be what God wants us to do in our life and not just seeking for ourselves, but seeking for him. Uh, you know, uh, as, as the scripture says, the old has passed away, the new has come. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a makeover. It's a makeover. We're different people on the inside is where we see the biggest change initially. Uh, the Christian has a new life, new senses, new faculties, uh, new affections, new appetites, new ideas and conceptions. Uh, that's the way John Wesley put it. Uh, so things have become new. Um, this is... 
this really is a process for the person who has, uh, who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a process that will culminate in what I might refer to as an extreme makeover. <laughs> All right, now, there's a TV show, uh, kind of by that title, and uh, extreme makeover. Uh, and, you know, what do they do on that? Well, uh, what they'll do is they'll, they'll go in, uh, they'll pick a family or, or uh, 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 a group, uh, primarily a family. Now, I haven't watched the program a whole lot, but one that particularly comes to mind is was a family, of, a fairly large family, that was living in a very small house. And uh, they were going to do a makeover. And uh, it was kind of, kind of surprising because what they did was they knocked the whole house down. They started over from scratch. And really, you know, that's what God wants to do with us. Uh, he's not interested in what we were as much as what he can make us new. And uh, so I guess we might call what God wants to do in your life is an extreme makeover. The old has passed away. Uh, everything has become new is what he wants to do. So again, as, as the scripture says, uh, the new has come. The new has come. And that's what God wants to do in your life. Uh, he wants to, to make you new, uh, completely eradicate the old and make you new. First um, John 3, 2 says, Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. It's a process. It's a process. Uh, when, when we come to Christ, we don't, uh, uh, you know, it, it's not a sudden, complete, total change. Uh, actually, we enter into a process that God is, is going to do in our lives. And uh, it takes some time. You know, I wonder, when, when we go back to the book of Genesis, we see, uh, we see the creation story there in Genesis. And uh, I, I believe God could have created everything instantaneously, but he didn't. Uh, he went through a process. He went through a process. And uh, as we read in, in uh, the book of Genesis, uh, you know, we, we read about what he did on the first day and the second day and the third day and so forth. Uh, I believe God is powerful enough. He could have created everything as it is instantaneously, but he didn't. He didn't. He, he went through a process. He went through a process. Uh, I think, again, this is just my thought, and uh, not scripture, but I think God enjoys the process of working with something and developing something. And I believe he does the same thing with Christians. We, 
we don't we don't instantly become perfect. <laughs> uh, believe me, I've been a Christian for a few years now, and uh, I will confess to you, I'm not perfect yet. But God's working on me. God is working on me. And he works on other Christians as well. We don't be instantly become the perfect Christian. Uh, our perfection is, is not in this life, it's in the next life. And that's where we will become perfect. Uh, but right now, God's in process. He's working on me. He's working on other Christians. We, he, he works that process. And so, uh, as Scripture says, we don't, we don't yet see what we will be, but, uh, you know, we will one day. We will be that person that God is developing us to be, the perfect person to dwell with him for eternity in heaven. Uh, so uh, we see changes in our life. Some changes happen instantly. Uh, I, I thank God for that. Uh, just, to, just to give you a little bit of, of background on, on myself, my own testimony, uh, I was not saved until I was 21 years of age. Uh, and believe me, there's a profound difference between my life before and my life after. And some of that change took place basically instantaneously. Just to give you an idea, before I was saved, uh, my intention was to go to Western Michigan, or to the University of Michigan, which is an engineering school, uh, Part of it is an engineering school, and I was going to go there, and I was going to become an electrical engineer. I was going to study for that, and I was going to go into that as a, as a career. Uh, that was my goal. Uh, it was during, uh, during the Vietnam War, so that kind of ages me. I guess you can kind of figure out that I'm in my uh, 70s now. Uh, but during the Vietnam War, of course, uh, there was a draft. And everybody, when they turned 18 years of age, had to register for the draft. Well, uh, my goal was to uh, join the ROTC and uh, get my four years of college out of the way before I had to do my military uh, obligation. Uh, seems like everybody in the world <laughs> Well, everybody in the nation, every male in the nation had the same idea. And the applications for ROTC uh, were like 20 times what they really were willing to take in. So the chances of getting into that program were pretty slim. Uh, and yes, indeed, I didn't make it. Uh, you won't believe what I got rejected for. I was... 22 pounds underweight for my, my height. Uh, I, I don't know if you think I'm underweight now. Actually, I, I could probably use to lose a couple of pounds right now myself anyway. But uh, they rejected me because I was 22 pounds underweight. And uh, so I did not get into the ROTC program. Well, uh, I kind of, kind of thought that might be the... Uh, 
might be a problem as well because I knew that the competition was pretty fierce to get into the program. So I went ahead and uh, I, I enlisted in the Navy. Uh, I didn't, uh, I guess in some ways I didn't have a lot of choice. The Navy recruiter lived down the street from me. <laughs> and my dad who served in the Army in World War II had always wanted to be in the Navy but he got drafted before uh, before he you know, made the move to actually enlist. So anyway, between uh, my dad's pushing and the recruiter living down the street, uh, yeah, you guessed it, I ended up enlisting in the Navy. Now the idea was I would go in the Navy, I would serve my, uh, my four-year obligation, then I would get out and uh, go to college, go to Western Michigan University and get that engineering degree. Um, well, that was the plan, you know, and uh, as scripture says, we plan, but <laughs> our plans don't always match up with what God's got in store for us. So I was in the Navy, went through boot camp, got my first overseas duty station, which was Scotland. Oh, what a terrible place to have to serve, right? Uh, so I was stationed in Scotland. By the way, uh, I'm an unusual sailor. I never, I was never aboard ship. <laughs> my, my job didn't exist aboard ship. There was no chance I was ever going to sea. So anyway, I, uh, I was uh, sent to Scotland, and while I was in Scotland, I met there a uh, sailor, who, a Christian man, who uh, tried to witness to me over there, wasn't too successful, uh, but uh, anyway, after, after Scotland, I was, uh, after a year and a half there, uh, I was transferred to Guam. Uh, when I got to Guam, uh, I got my permanent barracks assignment, and uh, I moved into the room, and uh, guess who was in the room right across the hall? The same sailor who had been trying to witness to me in Scotland. And uh, all I can say is God got a hold of my heart. I don't understand why, but the, the very first, uh, I think it was on Monday night, there was a, uh, there was a um, meeting of Christians at one of the, uh, the on-base houses there in, in uh, Guam, on Guam. And uh, so the very first uh, Monday night after after I moved into that room, uh, he invited me to go, and uh, I got ready and went. And was there for the first time that I remember, I heard the gospel very clearly, and I understood that I needed Jesus Christ. And I put my faith and trust in him that night, uh, there at that, at that Bible study. And, uh, my life changed. Within uh, a very short time, my plans changed. You know, that engineering degree at the University of Michigan was no longer so important. I realized I was 21 years of age, and I realized I'm behind. This young man who, who uh, invited me to that Bible study and by the way uh, talked to me very seriously on the way back to the barracks that night about 
uh, my need of, of putting my faith in Christ and uh, you know, basically being the one who led me to Christ, uh, I, I started to realize, wow, I'm way behind. I've got so much to learn. Uh, my Christian life, I need to grow. I need to learn about this. And my plans changed. God changed my plans. <laughs> Instead of going to University of Michigan Engineering School, I decided I need to go to Bible college. I need to learn about this book. I need to learn about what God has for me in my life. And my life changed that night, drastically. And uh, I'm thankful that, that I listened to the Lord and I, I paid attention to him. Uh, after I got out of the Navy, I went to Bible college. Uh, that's where I met my wife. Uh, shortly after, she was a year behind me in college, but uh, after, after uh, she graduated, we were married, and uh, we've had a wonderful family and wonderful life together since that time. Uh, and that's, that's how God changes, changes us, uh, if we will put our faith and trust in him. So, uh, as, as the scripture says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. I'm not the same person I was before that night. Uh, I'm a different person because ch God changed me, not on the outside, but on the inside. On the inside, I'm a different person than I was then. Hopefully, some of that shows outside as well. But I'm certainly a different person as well. Hi. Verses 18 and 19 say, Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Reconciliation. What does that word imply? Well, it implies, first of all, that we were God's enemies. We were enemies of God. <laughs> we, we, we were fighting against him, and even in our own lives and to our own detriment. But even though we were the enemies of God, God wants to change us. God wants to bring us on to his side. Um, so God is really the great peacemaker, I guess is what we could say. Uh, he, brings, he brings to his enemies peace. And we can have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans 5.10 says, For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his, the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? That was, that was what Christ came for. That's what, that's what was a, a Jesus' mission while he was here on earth for 33 years. Uh, 
He came and as a, as a babe. He lived a sinless life for 33 years. And then he went to the cross. Willingly went to the cross to take our place. We deserve to be on that cross. We deserve to be eternally separated from God for our sin. But God sent his own son. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, came. He lived a perfect life without sin for 33 years and then took our place on the cross. And we look at the cross and we think, oh, we, we, we see the physical punishment that Christ went through there on the cross. And yes, it was terrible. But you know what was worse than the, than the physical punishment that he took on the cross? What, what did Christ cry out on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All the physical torment and torture that he went through, he was silent. But when God the Father turned his back on his own son, that's when he cried out. That was the ultimate punishment. That's what you and I deserved. But Christ took that punishment for you and he took that punishment for me so that I never have to be separated from God again. You never have to be separated from God because Christ took your place. Now, Paul in his writings says that if it were possible, uh, he, he, loved, he loved his nation and his people so much, he said that if it were possible, he would take their, their place, their punishment for them. You know, the problem with that is, even if, even if Paul had lived a perfect life, he could give, his he could give himself in the place of one other person because he is only a person. He is only a human being. But Christ is God incarnate, the infinite God incarnate. So even though Christ was only in the grave for three days, his death, his separation from God is sufficient for an infinite number of people, an infinite number of sins. One sin will separate any of us from God for eternity because it will take eternity to pay for that sin. But Christ, in a very short <laughs> three days, was able to take the punishment equivalent for every sin everyone has ever committed. And so... God had to send his son to save us. That's how much love he has for us. That he would send his own son to die in our place. And we're not just talking about physical death. We're talking about spiritual death. Separation from God. 
Christ was separated from God for you and for me, took our punishment so that we wouldn't have to take that punishment for ourselves. So we read, everything is from God who reconciled himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That in Christ, God was reconciling. In other words, he was taking care of that separation that we, uh, that we suffered, that we deserved, not counting their trespasses against them. So Christ is the one who reconciles. Christ is the one who reconciles. My question to you is, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Have you taken him as your savior? Have you put your faith and trust in him? It's very simple. Uh, there's a little thing that uh, I learned early on in my Christian life. It was referred to as the Romans Road. You go through the book of Romans, there are various verses that uh, basically walk you through uh, the process of salvation, if you will. Uh, admit you're a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans. The penalty for sin is death. For the wages of sin is death, Romans says. God offers you salvation as a gift, Romans says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Very simple. Put your faith and trust in Christ. Take him as your Savior. Put your faith in him, and he will save you. Then finally, verses 20 through 21, those in Christ are ambassadors for Christ. This is absolutely amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. Verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Paul talking about himself and every other Christian in the world. We are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Um, Almighty God, our judge, he will judge us all one day. Our judge not only offers these blessings, but he entreats us most tenderly not to reject them due to an infinite desire for unity between him and us. Um, John 20 verse 21 says Jesus said to them again peace be with you as the father has sent me I also send you here he's speaking to those disciples who would carry uh, the message of salvation to the world and by extension to us uh, as Christians uh, he's saying uh, the message of reconciliation is yours to carry to the world. 
That's our, that our, our responsibility. Uh, when, we, when we trust Christ as Savior, uh, we're not immediately taken to heaven. Uh, we're here. God has a purpose for us here. God has a task for us here. And that is to be his ambassadors, as it says there in verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador represents his country to other countries. Well, in the case of, uh, in the case of Christian ambassador, ambassadors, let's call ourselves, uh, we represent God to the world, to the unsaved world. Uh, God expects us to, to be the ones who carry the message, his message, and represent him to the world. And that's our task. Uh, so Jesus has sent us out. Uh, Paul's a, uh, uh, an example of this. Uh, the title of this message is Extreme Makeover. Look at Paul. What an extreme makeover he made. Uh, as, a, as an unbeliever, he was the enemy of God the enemy of Jesus. As a matter of fact, uh, if, you know, if you know your New Testament and, and know about Paul, you know that he was persecuting the church to the point of getting letters from, uh, from the temple to actually go to other cities and arrest Christians and drag them back to Jerusalem for trial, which eventually would end up in their death. Uh, we read in, uh, in the book of Acts about uh, of Stephen, the, what we refer to as the first Christian martyr, uh, who was killed for his belief. And uh, who was there? Paul was there, consenting unto his death. Uh, that's Paul. On the road to Damascus, he was confronted by Jesus Christ, and he became a changed man. And he went from a persecutor of Christians to arguably the greatest missionary who ever lived, at least one of them. Look at the mission work that, that Paul did as we read through the book of Acts. The, uh, he wrote a, a great deal of, of, what, of, of the New Testament, God's word. Uh, God used him not only to be a, a, a great evangelist and to a uh, great missionary, but, but also to pin most of our New Testament. comes from, uh, from Paul, or through Paul, from God. And uh, uh, talk about an extreme makeover. You know, we, uh, I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm not huge DV buff, but I have seen a, a show or two, and uh, I have seen a few episodes of Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, uh, and I re remember one in particular, there was this very uh, small house, and there was a pretty large family uh, living in this tiny little house, and they were going to help these folks out, and uh, you know what they did, they knocked down the old house, they just they just wiped it out and they started over fresh. Well, you know, that's what God wants to do with us. 
He wants to do an extreme makeover. Uh, what does verse 17 say? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away. The new has come. Uh, you know, what we were or what we are before salvation is of no use to God. He wants to start over, fresh from zero. Extreme makeover, extreme makeover. Um, so here in verse 20, God says, uh, you know, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ since God is... God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we who were once the enemies of God are now his ambassadors. Imagine if the United States uh, decided they needed some new ambassadors <laughs> and so they selected these new ambassadors from a foreign country that they had been at war with or were at war with. Well, that's essentially what God has done. He's turned uh, those who were his enemies into his ambassadors. And again, as we look at Paul, what an example of what God can do. What an example of what God can do. Now, we put a lot of emphasis on uh, on you know, uh, God forgiving sin, uh, our sin being placed on Jesus Christ and so forth. But there's another very important aspect here that uh, I think we need to look at. Uh, verse 21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Um, this is uh, something that in, in theology we call double imputation. Double imputation. Uh, God imputed our sin to Christ. God took our sin, put it on Christ, and punished that sin in his son, in Jesus Christ. And we put a lot of emphasis on that. And we've talked about that uh, here in, in this sermon uh, several times ourselves. But... I, the verse goes on to say, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the other part of the double imputation. God imputed Christ's record of perfect obedience to the account of believers. So we can, we can go to heaven and dwell with God for eternity not just because our sin has been taken care of, but because we also have the righteousness of Christ. Jesus lived a perfect life. He did not sin. For 33 years, he lived on earth as a human being without sin. And so not only did he die for our sins, but he lived for our righteousness. Christ's righteousness, Christ's perfect life is credited to the account of the believer. So just as Christ 
God in human flesh was able to die an infinite death for all sin. He lived an infinite life of righteousness to be able to impute that, to credit that to us so that we can stand before God and God sees a perfect life that we have led and welcomes us in. Are you a believer? Maybe God has brought you to this point that, uh, uh, and to this place that you might hear that God loves you. He loves you so much that even though you deserve eternal separation from God for your sin, but God wants to put to your account Christ's righteousness so that he can welcome you in, so that you can spend an eternity in glory with him. And that's God's desire for each and every one. Scripture tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to righteousness. And that's where you need to accept this free gift. God doesn't expect any more from you than faith to believe and to put your faith and trust in Christ that you might have the righteousness of Christ that your sins would be wiped away buried in the deepest sea gone forever that you might live with him for eternity let's pray Father we thank you for this time that we've had together we thank you for your word which teaches and instructs us and Lord we, we just pray this morning if there's one here either in this sanctuary or one listening online who does not know Christ as Savior. Father, we pray that this might be the day of salvation for them, that this might be the time when they come to know Christ as their Savior and they are added to the redeemed. For it's in his name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and let's respond in faith.
watch this video together. Just a couple of announcements uh, as we begin to wind things up here. First of all, uh, there will be a choir strategy meeting uh, January 3rd at 6 o'clock. If you are either currently in the choir or if you are interested in joining the choir, please, please, please attend this meeting. Uh, There will be uh, some important information given out there, and also that's where... Uh, Mark will be able to uh, kind of discern what the choir is going to look like next year so that, uh, uh, you know, he'll know where, where to head with that as well. Also, uh, other things that uh, these are all in your bulletin, so uh, be sure to check it out. Uh, chili cook-off and soup potluck, uh, January 21st after the service. Uh, family skate night and uh, on February 5th. And a Bible conference coming up February 18th. Uh, so be sure to, uh, to note those and, and uh, participate uh, if it's uh, an item that uh, is for you. All right. Uh, again, just a reminder, uh, if you are a visitor, uh, either take your uh, uh, QR code uh, item that you filled out or go to the next steps desk out these double doors and to the left and uh, fill out a, a paper one uh, so that we can uh, connect with you. Uh, if you uh, are interested in uh, next step of any kind, whether that be uh, salvation, uh, maybe uh, joining a, a life group, uh, perhaps going on a mission trip, uh, again, you can get that information at the Next Steps desk. Uh, we're going to take up our offering at this time, so I'll pray for our offering as our ushers are coming forward. Father, we thank you for again for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. We pray that your word would work in our hearts, that uh, we might uh, truly, uh, truly uh, live by your words and by your standards. Father, uh, we pray that your words have changed our lives in some way this morning. Uh, Now we take this offering, we pray that you would use it to further your gospel work, not only here, but around the world. For it's in Christ's name we ask it.
Yeah. 